Hello, welcome to this week's Football Down Your Podcast, available on SoundCloud, YouTube and iTunes. Enjoy. First question in, what would your starting 11 be against Bulgaria? Well, I've gone with what I think, what I want. Um, not what I think Danny Blint's actually going to go for it, but um, for goalkeeper picked, Jones it. Um, I think, obviously, him not being the only one that's actually playing right now. Uh, gives me the most confidence in him over Silas and then Vorham um, at the moment. Um, I've come for about 5 4 with Cars up on the right, uh, Danny Daly Blind on the left, um, Stephen Fry and Wizzy Hoot in the, the middle. Finish continued the partnership, which was once again excellent for Lazio at the weekend. They kept a clean sheet against uh, Calgary um, and they were excellent. I've gone for a midfield of uh, Strutman. Wijnaldum and Klassen, and wingers of Memphis and Robin and Janssen up front. Um, I've not gone for Doss, I just think that with Janssen he brings a bit more to the all-round game. I think Doss is more a target man and you know, he scores some tap-ins and close-range goals, where I think Janssen, he's got a bit more to his all-round game. Um, and I've gone for Memphis on the left, I think he's in form for Leon at the moment. Um, promise is just go back to playing football in Russia and I think he's a bit rustier than Memphis at the moment. I think obviously Robin on the right, he's the key man. We need to get him the ball as much as possible. How about uh, yours, Chaka? Um, I've gone for Zoot because uh, I rate him very highly. He's an Eindhoven dark man um, and the senior writer Rick Elfrink actually rated him as the PSV's most consistent player this season. I'll go for Rick Karsdok on the on the right back row. I think I I would usually go for Veltman, but I like Karsdok because he can go forward and um, his defensive game is improving. It's improving um, as the season's gone on. He put he put in some brilliant tackles against um, PSV. Um, last week uh, against Azad, he, um, he played a magnificent pass for um, for Jorgensen's first goal. Uh, this weekend, he also put in some more brilliant tackles and he, he played some brilliant passes to Jorgensen. Um, Centre-backs, I'll go for De Vrij and Hoot. Hoot's very strong in the air. Uh, he's um, won the most aerial du- duels this season Lazio. He can also play the ball out of the back. Uh, De Vrij, he's tried and tested for the national team. Um, it's just about finding him the right partner. And, you know, with uh, Bruma and Van Dijk out, he's, all, he's the best choice. Those two are the best choices. And at left back, I'm going to go for um, uh, um, uh, Blint. Yeah, I think, um, I, you know, I, I thought, um, I thought, uh, Hap should have been at least given a call up, but no, I think, uh, Blentz, he's very experienced at, at left back and, um, I'd like to see him get an opportunity there. Um, also in, in midfield, I'd have gone for Strootman and Darun, but Darun wasn't picked, so I'll go for Strootman, Carson, and Wijnaldum. Uh, it's not a midfield pack with much creativity, but um, 
whenever Schneider plays, he, he tries to drop deep and um, force uh, Wijnaldum to move forward. And he, he's good at sort of playing with the ball and bringing it out of the back. But and um, but um, defensively, it leaves the Dutch team very vulnerable. It leaves Strootman. It would leave Strootman very isolated. Um, his best performance in the last year for the Dutch national team was, I think, away last year was against Kazakhstan, where he scored that amazing goal. And he just looked inspired in that game. And I think if you can't push Strut, if you can't push Snyder higher, then I think you you can't you you can't play. Uh, Blint played him at at left wing as sort of a false left winger last year, but uh, it wouldn't work with, you know, with Memphis and um, Robin back. Um, so up front, I'll go for Robin if, it, if he's fit. He, um, he left a training session today, so just fingers crossed that he's fit. He's fit. Robin, Dust, and um, Memphis. I'll go for Dust because he's a form player. Uh, he also sort of gives you that aerial threat, and with someone like with Kazdop's deliveries, that's something that you would need. And I think if if sort of uh, the Netherlands need to go direct in in their game against Bulgaria, I think he, he, I'd rather have him up front and sort of with Robin uh, with the pace of Robin and Memphis by side. Uh, my front three is the same as uh, Chakas. Uh, I'd like to I'll start from the goalkeeper. I've also chosen Jeroen Soot. Um, I haven't chose uh, Castor as, as right back. I've chosen Kenneth Eta. Uh, my central pairing is Stefan de Vrij and Bruno Martins Indy. And my left back choice is a little bit of a surprise. I've gone for Nick Viergeven. Um, I, I don't believe uh, David Bind is playing enough. Viergeven uh, is playing uh, every game. Um, also has European experience as well, and I think that would be a sensible decision. And my midfield is Klaassen, Slobman, and I would play Wesley Snyder. I think this is a game where um, experience is going to tell. It's a game they need to win, and uh, so uh, my my changes in terms of what uh, other panel members have said, I, I, I would pick personally Kenneth Data and uh, Viergeven, and I would play Snyder from the start. Myself, I've gone for uh, Jasper Selesen in goal. I think for Barcelona, he's actually been very, very good. Jelanzut uh, is a very good uh, back of the half, though. Um, as for the back four, uh, I've, I had to go with what Blint picked for his squad, so I thought it was I, I wanted to put another left back in, but I had to go with Daly Blint. I'm not sure, James, for example, Nick Verhaver, um, with my choice for left back. I'd like him in centre back spot, but I think the partnership between Hutt and Device too good to pass up. That said, Bruno Martins Indy did play well for Stoke the other day against Chelsea. He had a quite good match. Uh, and a right back I've gone for Veltman because I think his experience of the national team has had already would serve this kind of game quite well. Karstorp is still the better right back, in my opinion, for future games. But yeah, for now, I think it's good to stay safe and maybe even play Schneider. But um, I'm not sure where he'd fit in and who he'd replace in a midfield of Stuttman, Klaassen, Wijnaldum. 
because um, that's what I've gone for. Um, I think only really he could replace Klaassen, but he has been playing very well for Ajax, so I wouldn't want a, a route in there. And the front three, I've gone for Robin and Memphis, um, like you guys. Uh, but I put Janssen in the middle uh, for the same reason I picked Veltman. Um, and I did say last week and the week before that I picked Dust for the striker role, but Janssen has, well, I mean, he hasn't played much for Spurs, but he's doing well for the national team. So why not keep that going? It, if you think back to Josie Altidore, for example, having a torrid time at Sunderland, but always play well for the United States, that sort of international form, he can carry on, I think. Um, so, yeah, no, James, why, why, why would you be so confident with Fearhaver at left back? Um, I just think if I was the manager and I had a choice, because Fierhaver can also play left back. Eh? It's, not, it's not just a, mm. a central defender, he can also yeah. play left back. And if I had the choice between choosing um, Daily Blint, who I don't believe he's playing uh, regularly enough, uh, for Fierhaver, and considering how, how much European experience Fierhaver has accrued this season, with Ajax coming so far in the Europa League, I think um, I would uh, try to be a bit of a a bit dapper and I personally would choose Fearhaven but uh, I'm not entirely sure that uh, Danny Blind would agree with me but I, I think it's um, you've got to pick your moments and uh, it's a game they have to win and, and Fearhaven has played left back quite often in his career he also yeah. started out at uh, Nijmegen and um, I think um, I think he should, be, he should be given a chance in, in terms of the I mean, he selected him, of course. He's, he's, he's brought him into the squad, and um, I think it would be a, a good opportunity to start him in a in a game against uh, against Bulgaria. Yeah, um, yeah, I understand James's point. I think he's play, he played the second legs of the um, of the last two Europa League games at left back, and he, he was incredible there. And the Europa League experience, he, he just hasn't had it at Ajax. Uh, he's also had it at AZ, where they went pretty far when he was there. And But I think in the end, I, I, I just go for Blint, because it's just a matter of international experience and just having someone that um, exudes some sort of leadership to something that to a defense that will be a quite young defense we had a question from andy who asks blint's refusal to play to blood the lift in a friendly equals why he's not right for a manual role um what do you think about that about the lift being called up and perhaps the comments that blint has made about the fact that he was only there for the experience um Delit said himself after the um, Ajax versus Copenhagen game. He didn't expect to be picked for the Dutch national team, and he said that he would he he wouldn't want to. He, he wanted to continue with the under 19s and um, he got picked, which was surprising um, for most people because uh, Blind has picked a lot of young players, but he hasn't picked a 17-year-old. And um, I think it's it. I think I would have rather seen him play with the under twenty ones uh, instead, if he wanted to sort of move him up, move him up a few levels. I would rather see him playing for the under twenty ones, and um, it's in, in. I think if you played him in a game, it will be too much too soon for him 
uh, you know he's he's got he's got he's got a good head on his shoulders, but I think it'll, it'll still be too much for him. Uh, you know, there's you sort of seen um, Yetro Willems, who was quite kind of a special player, who went to uh, the Euros in twenty twenty uh, Euro twenty twelve, I think, with the Dutch team, and uh, he went there when he was seventeen, eighteen. And one was one of the youngest players in the team, but um, you know, with injury and things like that, he he, he sort of failed to kick on. Um, uh, I I I I I think I I would agree with Blind. If if you had him with the national team, it would be more of a learning experience rather than um, an actual playing experience, rather than just a have him learn from the guys like Schneider and sort of have, you know, play with, you know, Dost and Janssen, sort of marking them uh, rather than actually playing him. I think that would be one of the few things I would agree with Danny Blind on. I think it's um, it, it's it's not a wrong decision maybe to call up the list because he's a special talent, but when there's other players that could have been called up for example, a better left back, um, and Blink could have played centre back. A left back being Van Arnholt, um, Ake as well. It's a it's it's a big insult to players like Ake who are very good centre backs. Um, Van der Heijden at Feyenoord, Botterheen as well said that he wouldn't um, he wouldn't uh, cancel out you know being called up for the Netherlands. Um, I just think it's a bit unfair to call up a player who's played under ten games really for the Ajax senior team. And to give him a role in the Dutch national squad when perhaps he should be with into 21s instead. Uh, um, I think it was an element of surprise for all, all concerned, really, especially here um, in the Dutch media that Matthijs said the list was uh, was called up. Uh, Danny Blind stated in his press conference it was due to circumstance, with uh, Bruma being out injured and Van Dijk being out injured, and but he he's obviously aware of. Um, of the list and he, and he started his, his, his career very, very well. Um, I think, going back to your point about um, Botagin, I don't, I think with Botagin, it's not entirely clear as to whether he, um, there are rumours that he could, he could be called up in future squads. I completely agree with you, uh, Michael and uh, Arie uh, van der Heijden, who's had a fantastic season at Feyenoord, but uh, I think it's just one of surprise, really, that such a young player at the age of 17, having only played a handful of games for um, for uh, for Ajax, is immediately drafted into the national team squad. I uh, um, I can't see him featuring in the Bulgaria game. He may well feature against uh, against Italy in the friendly, but um, it, it could be it could be that Blint just wants him to experience the. Um, the national team set up, but like he said in his press conference, it's, it's due to circumstances that if Bruma and Van Dijk were both uh, were both fully fit and eligible to play, that um, he may well have gone to, with the um, even with the under 19s. I think they were playing against uh, Iceland, I believe, and uh, so he, he stated that um, if everyone was fully fit, then uh, Matthias de Ligt would have probably gone with the uh, under 19s during this international break. Which to me suggests that it's even more of an insult to the players that should have been called up instead. Why, why can't Ake have been called up and enjoyed a new experience with the national team? Because he could as well be involved in the future. 
why why is it that a 17-year-old has been called up as a last resort kind of thing when there's lots more players who should have been picking? That that comment really, really um, confused me a bit. So I'd say as well, um, the under-19 situation is strange because they're actually in qualifiers for the Euros this week. they got three games in the week round um, over the next seven days to reach the Euros. Um, I think he would have probably been captain for them as well if he was there. And he would have been under pressure of you know, trying to win these three games to get to the European Championship, which will give him probably more experience than sitting on a bench watching you know, a game against Bulgaria and then maybe coming on for you know, a cameo against Italy. Um, I agree with you guys, it's, it's a strange decision. It's nice to see a young player get a call-up, but only when you know, under-19s, under-21s aren't doing something you know, crucial, like going to an under-19 championships in the summer is a good learning curve for these young players. And if under-19s miss out this week, then a lot of fingers are going to be pointed and say why wasn't do it there instead of sitting on a bench. I also agree with uh, with Michael's point about he could look at other players. I think I, I think I raised on a on a previous pod that I, I don't believe that Blind is paying enough attention to players like Van Arnold, for example, or for Nathan Acker. Um, I, I think he's obviously in the job and he will stay in the job until uh, it becomes apparent that the Netherlands may well may not qualify but I think he's just um, a sailing, sailing course and uh, I mean the Netherlands could very well qualify for Russia next year via the playoffs that's, uh, that's completely possible but I personally think that the whole setup is kind of sailing along on a course and until things become completely clear in terms of perhaps the Netherlands not qualifying they won't uh, make a change or, or even um, to have a firmer direction for the future. Well, I think if you look at this game against Bulgaria, it's one that everyone should win pretty easily, but it's hard to really judge how Bulgaria are doing because they've had two home games so far. They've won both of them, but they struggled against Belarus, that's a 1-0. They struggled against Luxembourg, that's a 4-3. Um, away from home, they've been hammered twice, 4-1 by France, 3-0 by Sweden. You know, are they going to raise their game for Holland coming? You don't know. Um, I mean, this is a game Holland should be looking at and looking to win 2 3 now, but you just don't know the situation with Holland now. There's so many questions about the team selection that this should be a game that we're all confident in winning, but you go into it and we're just like unsure, um, yeah. which is yeah. a big question mark around Danny Blind, I think. I think, yeah, and Holland were also beaten by a lot of teams that were like uh, Bulgaria and the Euro qualifiers, like Iceland, um, uh, Iceland, Turkey, uh, Czech Republic. And in regards to Turkey and Czech Republic, they were beaten at home. And um, the I think the sort of uh, best game they've played under Blint was the the game in Rotterdam a few months ago. And uh, it's, it's, you don't know um, if they're going to, how they're going to perform and how he's going to structure the team. And I think he, he came out today and he said he, he has, he has a luxury, but he, 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 you're not sure how he's going to use these players. And, um, if you, you don't want to see the same mistakes made where it's easier to 
it's easier to close down Holland. It's easier to um, to break on them um, because the midfield is isolated. They can't really move the ball around because um, the midfielders are too far away from each other. And um, you just um, you, you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that he's learned something over the past few months and in his tenure as um, Holland boss. The fact remains that this is a this is a manager who only has one year experience at club level, and that was when he managed Ajax for one season, and being assistant to Van Gaal and being assistant to Hiddink. And now finding himself in the top position, I think, uh, I think, I think the lack of experience is is, is going to pay, unfortunately. And uh, I, uh, if I was the Dutch FA, I, I would be looking, um, I would be looking to make a change, especially for the long term. So we'll just have to see what will happen. I think judging by his comments, you know, around yesterday and today, um, the lineup that I want, he's not actually going to pick that. I don't think. I don't actually think Memphis will start. I think he will pick Schneider and he'll put him on the left wing again because I don't think he's going to drop class and I don't think he can drop Fruitman or Wijnaldum unless there's a problem with them, judging by their form or their clubs. So I think he will make the mistake again of putting Schneider on the left wing um, you know, and then he'll drop down deep to try and get the ball and that'll create problems because there'll be nobody on the, you know, the left trying to stretch the Bulgaria back forward. It'll be Robin, it'll be Janssen. Um, I think Memphis or Promise should definitely start. I think for this game it is basically Netherlands last you know, question mark in this group because this is the one that they need to win away from home. And then after this they've got you know, they're looking at France, you might get beat by France, but that's the game you don't really need to win. You know, you'll get Sweden at home if you win that one. After this one, you beat Bulgaria at home, then basically we've got second place pretty much you know, sewn up and then that's the playoffs. Again, I said that Wayne's comments just don't leave you with any confidence going into the game. Even then, they play Italy on Tuesday. Um, do, do, do you think they have the quality to beat an Italian side? Uh, you're talking is, um, the manager is facing is uh, Giampiero uh, Ventura, who is a very, very experienced, very talented manager. And who, who, um, who, man, who they hired from Torino, and um, he's they've got a he's blooding through a much younger group of players, and you know um, it will be a real test for them because you know you talk about uh, players like Belotti, like um, uh, Petania, players, and um, Conti, a lot of a lot of talented young Italian players and I think the Dutch national team have a lot of talented young players but they're not there on the level of the Italian kids right now or the French kids right now and um, it, it will be it, it will be sort of used as sort of a measuring stick to see where the Dutch national team is in regards to the much bigger nations and um, you just hope that that you know, Blind can pick a team that can actually challenge Italy, uh, because uh, we've seen games like this for the last year. You've seen the Dutch national team play Belgium and just look very inferior. 
you've seen the Dutch national team play France twice and look very inferior. So you just hope that you don't see that again. I was at the uh, friendly that Chaka mentioned against Belgium uh, last November. And uh, in terms of sets of occasion, that was extremely flat. You know, in terms of being a a very good um, Belgian opponent, the whole set, even for that to be a rivalry, I I thought the game was extremely flat. I I hope they managed to get up for a, a very difficult test against a good Italy side. I think if Italy put out a strong, a strong side with, with names and, and youth, I think it will be very difficult for the Netherlands to win. Looking at actually Netherlands' last four home friendlies, um, the first one was the 4 3 defeat against the USA, then they lost against France 3 2, then they lost against Greece 2 1, and the last one was the 1 1 draw of Belgium. Um, you know, it doesn't really give you confidence that you know, friendlies at home right now against it the bigger sides that Holland are actually going to win. Yeah, I, I, think the, I think the crowd are also sensing that, I think. I, think I, I, I don't believe the game is sold out already for the match on Tuesday. And as, as I just mentioned as well, the, the game which I attended against Belgium, which I thought in terms of an extensification would, add a lot, would have a lot more spice to it. But it, it turned out to be quite flat, unfortunately. So uh, I hope they... Um, I hope they managed to uh, to get up for the for the friendly on on Tuesday and uh, and the Netherlands can put in a good performance. Okay, um, we've got some questions about the AWC as well. Um, it's obviously broken up for two week break now, uh, and when it comes back, it will be uh, pretty much AWC every single day for best part of over a week. As there's there's three match weeks within one week. Um, got a question from Mark who asks: After this week's results, will a draw for Feyenoord at Ajax realistically, realistically secure the title? Realistically, uh, I think the title's already there. So I think Ajax is up. Excelsior made a gap six points, and I can't see Feyenoord dropping that many. I mean, Ajax could probably beat them, but I don't see you know, Feyenoord messing up. For the end of the season, is Ajax still got to go to PSV as well, and you know, that's not getting ridiculous. I can't see you know a nine-point swing at the moment. I would say Feyenoord wrapped it up at the weekend. I can't see them losing it now. I um I think um should should Feyenoord not get beat in Amsterdam? I think it's highly likely, but they will. But they will uh, win the title. They've been. Um, They've been uh, top most of the season, and uh, um, I think it was an unexpected draw for Ajax away to Excelsior. Uh, a great point for Excelsior, by the way. Um, but I, um, I think if Ajax win in Amsterdam at home to Feyenoord, then it's not completely done. It's still three points can still be uh, still be turned around. But um, yeah, I think uh, Feyenoord hold the cards in that respect. Where if they don't, uh, if they don't get if they don't get beat in Amsterdam, then their, their first title since 1999 could well become a real possibility. I think Ajax yeah, will I win think, that yeah. game. Um, and I think that it will make the title race more interesting. But I also think Ajax slip up again, especially with the PSV game away from home. But uh, I think at home Ajax should probably win the rest of their matches this season. But away, they, they have some a couple of tricky fixtures and I think they're running more tricky than uh, finals. 
Um, but for sure, to answer Mark's question, I think Feyenoord's a draw at, at, in that game will it will definitely go a long way to winning the title because it's a it's a long way back for Ajax then at that point, especially with all the games they have coming up. I think the, the the Europa League tie against Schalke will also play a part because obviously two uh, two legged pair against a very good German side might sap a lot of energy and uh, that could well uh, that could that could also play a part. I, I, I think um, if Feyenoord uh, don't lose, then I think there's certain insurance for the title. But um, Ajax are a much different beast at home than they are away. And I think, you know, if Ajax do beat um, Feyenoord at home, I think it will be a matter of the team with the least away away games that win that wins. And um, both teams in recent times have sort of performed um, very average away from home. And it was interesting to see Dirk Coit and Giovanni Van Broncos after the... Heronvin game, he used the same word to sort of describe Feyenoord and their performance and the team and they used character and that that's what the team is sort of driven on. So uh, you, you don't see them sort of letting it, letting up with this, with it so close especially with such with a group um, that has a nice blend of of experience and youth so uh, I think I think I I I think uh, Ajax will win on that day, but uh, I'm not sure about them going going for the title after after they win. The rest will serve Ajax well. Um, the two week break will be plenty of time for the players to get some energy back after all those games. But again, I, even though I think Ajax might win that match, it will be a very big ask for them to keep that intensity going up until the middle of May. Um, I almost hope, though, that Feyenoord can get that get a result to Ajax, so Ajax sort of lose that little bit of hope in the early disease, they can concentrate more on the Europa League. That said, if they do drop more points at the end of the season, then they've got PSV breathing down the back of their necks for the, the Champions League spot as well. Um, which brings me to another question, actually, from Jerry, who asks, do PSV need to sign more wingers this summer? Answer definitely yes. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think their uh, their buying policy needs to be looked at. I think uh, I think with PSV not winning any any trophies this season, I think they've uh, they've rested on their laurels a little bit. They won the title last season on the very last day with uh, the Flavs uh, Cup uh, performing a miracle to hold Ajax for PSV to go, to, to win the title. I just think they've rested on their laurels, and I, I expect uh, PSV to invest this summer, and uh, be interesting to see uh, who they uh, who they buy. Yeah, I think they they were certainly looking for a winger last year. Uh, they tried Boomer from Galatasaray, but he he was he cost too much for them. Uh, ESPN Mexico reported that they were looking at Irving Lozano from there. And I think nothing materialised there. I think they denied that they were interested in him. And I think with losing Narsing and Josefsson and Pereiro and Bergfein being so inconsistent, 
um, they will definitely need another winger. Um, uh, I think Locardi has come back, but uh, he's sort of not enough. Um, also, I think they need another, they need a proper ball-playing centre-back. Uh, sort of someone of the ilk of Jerry St. Hughes from, um, from Heronveen. Uh, or Van Dronglen from Sparta, or um, Hugma from Heraclus. I think the Pereira will be um, a, a big, a big player next season for PSV. I think with signing an extra winger, they will sign an extra winger. I don't know if it'll be a right or a left footer or either wing. Um, but Lucardi and Pereira may still be the first choice. Lucardi signed a new contract; he wants to stay. Pereira has has been cons- inconsistent, but also remember that he is PSV's top goal scorer this season um, as well. That's probably not helped by Luke Young being pretty awful at times, though. Um, another point was about centre backs. I think the problem lies with Isimat because he's a very good centre back, but he just has that mistake or two in him every single game where he 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 costs the team a goal and. Uh, next to Moreno, who I think may leave this summer, he, he seems to be looking at a new challenge, especially with PSV out of the Champions League next season, most likely. Um, it's going to be a summer of change, but in answer to that question, I think they will definitely get a new winger. I don't know who or particularly which side, but they need to be. They need to make a, a big difference. I'm talking. They need to have the same kind of contribution that Balash Uzak or Dries Mertens had. They've got to be a very good player, I think, for PSV calibre of club. I think it's a shame, though, because I think they put a lot of confidence in the summer in, in Bergwijn. I think Braun said that's why they wouldn't sign you know, SDN on a, a permanent deal. You know, he's getting called the new Memphis in the summer, and a lot of respect for him. He's just not lived up to it. He's still fair. Young, he's only 19. You know, I think this will be a learning curve from the season. They really do want to stunt his growth, bringing in you know more wingers in the summer. If Ferrero doesn't leave, he's still got Ocadia to play. I mean, Bergwijn might fall down to maybe fourth choice. Um, and he's a big talent. He's a big one for the future as well. But I think they definitely will need to sign a winger. And I think definitely need to sign another striker as well. Um, because I think that's been a problem this season. Is Luke Young's not been cutting it and Kalkis had no option on the bench to replace him. Um, he's had Sam Lammers there, but he doesn't seem to want to use any of these young players yet. Um, I agree with you guys. I mean, you need defence. It's got to be key. I think they're going to need a new midfield if no Guardado and properly. I think it's just going to be a whole you know, overhaul. I think Zut will leave as well, so they need a new goalkeeper. Um, I know they have Urhus uh, in the reserves, so maybe he'll come through. Um, I think no, Brown's got a big job in the summer because he's going to have a lot of positions that he needs to, to change. I've had a question from Chris who asks, does Billy Bean still do consulting with RZ? And do you know what impact he may have had? Um, as far as I'm aware, that's, um, I don't think he's doing it anymore. I think, um, I think RZ at the moment, they are... Um, They've signed uh, Van der Brom up to an extension, and um, yeah, I think they're um, I think they're coasting along a little bit. 
uh, it was uh, there was a time when the consulting did take place, and it was uh, raised a few eyebrows when it was first announced. But uh, as far as I'm aware, that's that's no longer the case. Uh, um, I, uh, I I think it is, but I think it's the same with John Rowe that he wasn't at. Um, he that he it's the same with John Rowe that he he from at. Um, He's doing it from the U.S. and he, he visits at least once a year. Uh, the set pieces came out with an interview with Bill Gerard, who is one of um, uh, he's one of uh, Billy Bean's uh, people in sports and uh, analytics, who also does a lot of work in sort of um, uh, performance analysis for Azad, and he he was basically. He, he basically described how they go about analyzing performances, analyzing players. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it's the same sort of with John Rome because uh, they have a new sporting director because the last one um, went to the Philadelphia Union, and they've got Max Hoybert, who's a former player, and he's in, and they've also sort of. I think they they sort of continued on that on that path of signing um, players based on analytics. I think you you could see how about Vegost, uh, Friday, um, Belasani, Svensson, they all came in through analytics, and um, yeah. So I think he he's he's still there, but he's doing it from the US main. And it's just an it was just always just an advisor role. Yeah, I was gonna say just for the listeners, maybe didn't know that Billy Bean, he's the the guy that has this big story about the moneyball methods with football. It's weird how it's gone a bit quiet over the last few years because it it it, it grew quite a bit with Brentford taking it on, and um, the Danish club is it Michelin, I believe, um, among the leagues yeah, because it's of the it. Yeah. Uh, but it has gone great quite recently when it seems to have a bit of an uprising in football because it had a lot of success uh, not too long ago. I think in the case of uh, Brentford, they went so far as to hire a specific manager in uh, Marina, Marina Staghausen, who went from um, Excelsior Rotterdam to uh, Brentford and only lasted uh, a very short amount of time. And I think their, their system and their methods went so far in the case of Brentford that uh, rather than just looking at potential players, they uh, went the whole hog and decided to hire a manager. Yeah, I, it was it was also interesting to see because in Volpo International in January when they would when they did this whole report on Van den Brom and whether Azad were having second thoughts on him, they wrote that he's not really an analytics guy. So. Uh, that was kind of one of, one of uh, the reasons that they were probably looking for, looking for someone. Uh, but um, I definitely, I, yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely think uh, uh, Billy Bean stars an influence there. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I just looked at uh, yeah, Bill Gerrard still working there. So yeah. Back to what we're saying about Berkvine earlier. Another question asks from David, um, which players have failed to live up to their hype early in their careers? 
i.e. not fully fulfilled their promising potential. And I, I would pick Berkwine already because I predict maybe he won't be as good as everyone felt he would be. It felt like he was going to be Memphis' successor um, and to, to break out of PSV, and I just can't see it happening. He hasn't been effective, in my opinion, for PSV at all this season, which is a shame. Yeah, I think I think you got to give him time because this was his first full season in professional football, and even Memphis was very frustrating at the beginning of his career. And both friends have been in and out of the team. Um, I think he's 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 someone that you've got to give time, and I think in a few years, once once he really gets acclimated, you start to see the best of him. Mm. But if if we're talking about players that have been disappointed, I think you have to look at some of the Ajax kids, you know, your Kishners, your Elkazis, your... Um, I'm not going to say Richard Libazo because he's improving under Yonka at Wolfsburg, although he he's missed a few shots. Uh, he nearly hit a, 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 the corner flag in Emil Heskey fashion. Um, against Red Bull, Red Bull Salzburg, and he 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 missed another. He was free in the box, and he he missed another one this weekend. But but he's his his he's improving slowly there. I think in the case of young players as well, it's it's very easy to point the finger at the player. I I, I think that the the managers they play under also have to be questioned. I, I'm not entirely sure that Koku has brought Bergwijn on. In 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 necessary fashion, the same way as uh, uh, Basur is a, is, a, is a great player, but obviously Peter Boss didn't really see didn't see that in him and, and let him go, and and, and obviously with Elgazi with his flits of um, flits of uh, of very good play from time to time. So I think it's it's not just personally, it's just not it's not just a case of saying about the player how the player hasn't. I think they're also dependent on the manager. Does the manager believe in them? Does the manager want them to play regularly? Are they are they giving necessary advice? Are they um, are they letting them um, find their feet slowly but surely? Yeah, good point. Yeah, when I when I originally when I originally saw that question, I I thought it meant in the longer scheme. So uh, I, I thought it was meant. Which players have disappointed the whole career? So I had, uh, you know, Ibrahim Afalai, Royston Trenter, uh, uh, Brian Babo, and the usual suspects set up as an answer for that question. Yeah. Yeah, Shaq, I agree with all them. Um, I also agree with Kishner as well. Um, you know, when he came through Ajax, he was a very exciting talent. Getting to move to Lazio, maybe a bit early for him. Um, but his move to Lille so far hasn't been a success. You know, he's found himself on the bench, same with Al Ghazi. Um, both of them probably went there thinking you know, we're going to have an impact, we're going to be first teamers, but not so far. And I think Kishner's one of these players that you know, I think I can only see it going downhill from here if he doesn't you know, sort himself out. Um, now, what I would have said was John Paul Boetius, who went to Babel from Feyenoord, but he's actually refound his form um, for Genk. He's getting actually rave reviews at the moment in Belgium. I would uh, I would agree on the Roston director, but I think again it's a point that regardless of your age, if Real Madrid coming for you, it's very very difficult to say no, and uh, that that also needs to be fully understood because I can imagine a young player going there at a very young age thinking 
this chance may never come again. So in the case of Verosen, there was an awful lot of talent, especially with the way he played in the uh, in the victory for Young Oranje in 2007. I think he was the player of the tournament in that in that um, in that triumph. But when when a club of that magnitude, arguably the biggest club in the world, comes in for you, regardless of your age, I think it's very, especially if you're very young, it's very difficult to say no. Sorry, just um, yeah. I just going to ask where where did uh, Fozzie Mensa come from before Man United? Ajax. 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 Yeah, it, back to what you said, James. Um, do you think, for example, Fozzie Mensah, when he moved to Man United, do you not think that maybe he could end up in the same way as Dranta, where he's not getting the opportunities? He had a couple of games Man United, but do you not think that if he was with Ajax now, he'd be able to see, he'd be getting games, or at least on loan at one of the lower tier clubs? Possibly, but also... At the age of 19 years of age, and he signed for Manchester United in 2014, so also um, also very very young. I think it could maybe could could be a culture. I wouldn't say a problem, but maybe a culture away now where younger players maybe think uh, when the big club, clubs do come calling, this chance will never come again. I have to go. Whereas. Whereas if they did stay, maybe an, a, a couple of seasons to break their way in, that that may be uh, that be maybe best for them long term. But I, th- I think in the case of uh, for Sumendo, uh, he um, he represented the Netherlands under 15, under 16, 17, 19, and 21, and um, he's obviously took the decision to go to Manchester United, and um, obviously finds himself uh, out of the picture a little bit at the moment. Yeah, um, I think another one that has been mentioned was uh, Kyle Ibasilio, who um, went to Arsenal at a very young age, but uh, didn't didn't find his way into the first team and when came back to FC Twente, was one of the better players under Alfred Schroeder, and then um, he chose to move back, move on loan to Nottingham Forest, where he didn't re- he didn't have an impact there. And now there's talk that FC Twente are talking about releasing him. And I think he's only 23, 24. Um, so I think he's he, he's another young player that is sort of disappointed. But, in, you know, not that there's any good things about Brexit, but I think um, a lot of that it will be interesting because one of the implications of Brexit is that the Dutch the, the Dutch players that would have been taken by um, English teams will now get to stay longer and will, will now actually get into the um, get to play in the Eredivisie with the teams that they come through the the youth ranks of and that could have wider implications on the level of play in the league and the level of players that are coming through. I think um, another two that haven't really lived up to hype. Um, Elia, you know, when he broke into the scene, he was at the World Cup and um, moved to Juventus. Never really saw him coming back to their division at the age he is now. Um, and a bit of a controversial one, but I don't think Raphael van der Vaart's had the career that he should have had. Um, the town he had at Ajax obviously got to move to Real Madrid, but you know, with Wesley Snyder and Robin still being part. You know, a crucial part of the national team now. You think when he came out, he'd be you know an absolute superstar. But I think his career has just gone 
completely off the rails in the past couple of years. I think yeah, he was he was almost iconic at Spurs, but I think the big move was that when Ajax really wanted him and he chose to move to Spain because his his grandparents were, were from Spain. I think it was Real Betis. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and he didn't really get he didn't get any games there. And they uh, they didn't play him and sort of. In the end, when I think when it was time to move again, Ajax had enough midfielders and are trying to ship out midfielders rather than buy. And uh, now he's at Norshaland, where I think he's injured or something right now. So I think um, people remember him mostly for his spell at Tottenham. But um, you can also argue that yeah, he hasn't reached his full potential given what he was doing at Ajax. Uh, there's another, if you're talking about Rafael van der Vaart, I think yeah, you also need to talk about Andy van der Meid, whose sort of career was, I think, ruined by sort of drugs and alcoholism and things like that. Uh, in the case of Andy van der Meid, uh, he's now a, re- a reality TV star <laughs> with, uh, with, with, with a show dedicated with uh, the lifestyle he leads with his, uh, with his partner. And uh, I think Andy van der Meijer, when he uh, when he came on the scene, and he was uh, he was uh, looking very promising, and uh, he chose to go to Inter. And uh, I think in the case of Andy van der Meijer, he, he really really struggled off the pitch in um, in Milan, and when he was also when he was also uh, playing for Everton, I think uh, off the pitch for him by those two clubs in particular was, was a very difficult time and I think that in turn affected his uh, performances on the pitch. Um, at least there's been a couple of players who have attempted to rectify their careers um, when they have stalled. I think the one with Elia was a little harsh because Elia has at least, I mean, he, he's going to be an early winner this year, maybe. I mean, it doesn't mean he's any superstar, of course not. Um, but he has he has come back to finals and has had a wonderful season. Um, another one for me is Nasser Balazic because he left for Arsenal, similar to Ebersilia at a young age. Um, didn't go off in there, nor Monaco. He's come back to the Netherlands, Utrecht, and he's become a quite a good player again. Perhaps not the level that we expect him to, but he's forged a very good career for himself. And this summer could be a very good move for him because fourth place with sets and scoring goals, plenty of assists, has improved that side of his game a lot. And I think you might see some, um, perhaps some Europa League level sides come in for him in the summer. I, I can definitely, I agree with you, Michael. I, I can definitely see him leaving the list. And um, yeah, it'd just be interesting to see what clubs come in for him. But I think... Uh, I think he, he, he would like a new challenge. Yeah, I think um, in January, wasn't he going to uh, all coast in the Far East? Um, which is obviously a shame if he leaves mm. Europe, because I think he's got a lot more potential than you know, moving to the Far East. The, uh, Utrecht will find themselves in problems if him and Halle both leave. And uh, if while we stay on Utrecht, I think... I just looked at Yasin Ayub and I think he's having his best season, um, uh, the best season of his career to, 
to this point and goes and four assists and he's 23 and he, 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 he can put in good performances against the bigger teams in the league midfield that are technically incredibly good. Uh, um, I, I want to say about Ayub actually because I, I think last season he was out of the team because he came through, broke through, and there were lots of links with him moving to finals to replace Jordi Classy. Um, didn't happen, he stayed it to that, and then he had a, a, a below-par season for his standards. And now he's becoming the midfielder that we saw before, and if not better, much better at dribbling. He reminds me a little bit of uh, Fabian Delph um, from Man City. Very good on the ball, uh, dribbling. He can come forward, he can defend. Um, a very good all-round midfielder, and to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if final came back in for him, um, especially with Karim Alamadi getting on a little bit as well. Yeah, I think the final could certainly use him uh, to just give um, the midfield more creativity, and um, and he's he's I think he's also he's also very young, and I think he. Was uh, was a player for the Dutch team at under twenty one level, and um, I think he uh, last season, yeah, he was injured, and um, Sofian Amrabat and Bad Ramsela sort of took his position in, in in midfield, and he sort of couldn't come back from that. So I think. In a way, the Bart Ramsella transfer helped him because he became the the key cog in that midfield. Yeah, I think um, he's 23 now. I think if he's going to move on from the threat to a bigger club, it has to be really this summer. I think he's had, as you say, the best season of his career so far. And he needs to be looking up to see. I think Final would probably be the only club in Holland that would come in for him in the summer. Um, if he moves abroad to like a mid-table, maybe a German-Italian side, and tries to do it at a, a Martin Darun route, and which might be also beneficial for him. Okay, a question from Chris. I think it's another one, Chris. He asked, who are your favourites right now for Dutch Footballer of the Year and the Johan Klauf Trophy? Big question. Uh, I think even though his form has sort of slumped uh, recently, I think Davy Carson for back-to-back. He's he's he said in his um, he said that he's having the best season of his career. Uh, he's he's been vital for Ajax, um, and I think he's improved as a player because. The, I think recently and at the beginning of the season, there was he wasn't getting involved in all-round play, and um, he was just sort of, sort of this player that had a had a knack, uh, a very a knack for um, just showing up in the right in the box at the right time to assist or score a goal. But now I think he's he, he's sort of improved his all-round play. I think. Um, his his ability to like ping a ball out, out of the back to start a counter, that's improved greatly under Boss, and also just his ability to he's just continued to hone his ability in the final third. Yeah, I think um, 
and in the box to create and assist goals in that important part of the pitch. And um, it's shown in the statistics. I would um, I would second uh, Shaka with uh, David Clark, and I think he's, as a as a captain, he's come on real leaps and bounds um, this season in in a, in a in a vocal sense as well. And uh, and for the club to make progression in Europe is only a, is only a feather a feather in his uh, in his cap because in previous seasons Ajax wasn't really doing that, and he's um, he's matured even more. And um, I think he'll be uh, of interest to many clubs in the summer. And um, I think um, I, I can definitely see him winning it back to back. Yes. Yeah, I think Klassen is probably the best player in there to visit. Um, at the moment, I wouldn't maybe hack him out. But it's interesting that Feyenoord, you know, the top of the league. But you can't really think of one player that's been the ultimate standout and that deserves to be you know, named Dutch Football of the Year. Um, I mean, if you look at their squad, you think standouts. You're looking at Jorgensen up front. And he's had a terrific season, Elmadi in midfield. But I think Carson, you know, he has been the standout in the league this season. Uh, uh, you could also pick out Tonstra. Uh, I think he's just a few goals or a few assists from having double figures and goals and assists this season. And uh, he, yeah, he, he's. He's much older, but I think he's a very good technical player. They've used him in midfield. They've used him out wide. Um, but he, if you think about, if you think this season about moments, I think uh, Klassen, that goal against PSV, I think is was incredible. Um, and I think he he scored the winner against Herenveen, uh the winner against uh, uh, Vitesse. And he's, he's just such an important player to Ajax. Um, he also assisted uh, Dolberg's goal against um, against Copenhagen. Um, yeah, uh, that's why I think he, he's such a sure because when you talk about someone that's, that comes up big for his team in, in, in the crucial moments, I think you're, you're going to have to sort of think of Derby Carson for Ajax. I think one player though that might be in a rush out, maybe in second or third, is Potahin. Uh, um, I think he came second when Bynaldum won it two years ago, and they say crucial moments. I mean, he scored the winner against PSV, really got him on the march to the top, and I think he's been excellent at the back. That's why I wouldn't be too against him getting caught up to the Dutch national team because I think he's a terrific player. I think to quickly go back on tones to I think you have to remember it's only four years ago that he was still playing for Arda Den Haag and then went to Utrecht and then on to Feyenoord and he's, he's, as a player he's come on leaps and bounds in terms of assists and being dangerous and uh, and, and being more creative and, and having and having a presence because there was there was a time when uh, he's played over 100 games for Arda Den Haag and there was a time where people doubted if he could really kick on and become even better and uh, He's proved those people wrong by uh, becoming a very important element for uh, finals. And the Dutch national team now he's in the squad. You know, he might be even get a game in the next two games. Certainly, I think we're underrating Nick Verhaver again, though, who's been epic for Ajax at the season at the back, um, next to Sanchez. He's he's been a leader um, that Ajax needed, and 
as well, trying to help Sanchez settle into the team. He didn't have the most fight level roles in the past, playing in defensive midfield or at left back. But when he was at RZ, he was always a very capable defender. And I'm just glad to see him now at Ajax performing as well as he can. And I think he fully deserved that national team call-up. Why not yeah. put him in, in the hat for the Dutch Football of the Year as well? Good point. And you've also got a young player here, um, Ward, that goes to nominate at the same time. But I think, looking at that, you're looking at Dolberg. I think he might have that wrapped up. Mm. Yeah. We've got one last question from Twitter. Derek, he asks, who do you think has been the greatest influence on Dutch football besides the obvious Kraut and Michels? Um, myself, I'd say Ronald Koeman. What about you? What about you three? Tough one, isn't it? I think Koeman because he he he's was one of the first um, defenders really to score as many goals as he did. Um, to, to be key um, for Dutch football, national team front and on the league front, Europe as well, winning as many trophies as he did. Then as a manager as well, he has not only led the top three in the Netherlands, he's, he's, he's led RZ. Um, I think he's just had a massive influence on several clubs throughout the country. And now he's abroad as well at um, Everton. He's a leader for future managers looking ahead to going abroad. He's done a really good job at Southampton and now Everton. I, I think he's had a massive influence um, below the, the real big names and massive names. I would uh, I would go with Marco van Basten. Uh, slightly under uh, slightly under the, um, the obvious names, but I think he, purely for his inspiration and how many Dutch players that he uh, inspired with uh, with his fantastic performances for Ajax and Milan, and and being so pure as a striker and, and being so uh, with fantastic goals and being fully motivated to score as many goals as possible and having a real killer instinct, I think for the for the amount of Dutch players, even playing uh, now when they were growing up, that he inspired. And uh, uh, my, I'm not being biased because I'm an Arsenal fan, but also uh, Dennis Bergkamp as well. I think uh, for the art, for the pure artistry of, uh, of how that man played football. I mean, I, I mean, I've been an Arsenal fan for 28 years, but not just because Bergkamp is Dutch, but he's far and away the greatest Arsenal player I've ever seen. So my two name, my my two names in that respect would be uh, Marco van Basten and Dennis Bergkamp. I think uh, mine would be Jack Reynolds. He's he was an Englishman that played in the 1800s. Um, he came to coach Ajax um, um, before and after the World Wars, and he he he's, he coached uh, Rainer Michels, uh, and he sort of set about uh, implementing a total football, which was developed by Michels, and he sort of started to. Set the um, sow the seeds for Ajax as a professional football club, and he also went on to coach the Netherlands. and I think he's very important um, to the history of Dutch football. And, uh, with him, they may not be total football as we know it. And I think uh, I really like um, uh, Louis van Gaal. 
I think because of the way things ended at Manchester United, we don't give him the respect that he's due. I think the 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 style that he used at uh, Ajax to win in 1996, um, it's still very much um, uh, prevalent in modern day Dutch football, and it's it's highly regarded. And going to um, Barcelona, bringing so many Dutch players with him too, um, you know the Rude Hesps. Uh, the cuckoos of uh, the the rude hesps and the cuckoos of the world, and I think a lot of sort of the younger managers aspire to have this tactical nous, um, and and a lot of the younger managers can learn a lot from him. And I think he's he should, and he, there's also sort of the things that happened later on in his career, winning the the Eredivisie with AZ. And um, also the 2010 World Cup, doing it with a team that was on the slide. And um, um, I mean the 2014 World Cup in Brazil, yeah, with um, with the Dutch national team uh, finishing third. I think that's that's something that should be respected about him. I agree with all his picks so far. I would have said Van Basten. As well, I think it's generations that will inspire. I think, you know, Cruyff inspired the Van Bastens. Van Basten inspired the next generation of Van Persies, the Berk of the Kluiverts. Then, you know, this generation is getting inspired by, you know, the Berkamps. Um, Louis Van Gaal is a big one, and I think one player that doesn't get maybe the respect that he deserves because he's part of that Cruyff era was Johan Neskins. Um, I think he inspired a lot of Dutch midfielders, and I think he had a big part as well to play. When Frank Rijkaard was in charge of Barcelona, he brought Neskins to, to the club as one of his coaches. Um, I think he helped a lot with their success at that club. And I think he, he doesn't do a lot of work in football these days, so I think he's one that has a big influence. Um, go back to the 70s. Um, Frank Rijkaard as well. I think an iconic midfielder, AC Milan, of Rijkaard, Hewitt and Van Basten up front. I think that inspired a lot of people to, to love the way the Dutch football was played in the early 90s. And I think a lot of people are actually Dutch football fans because of that side that played in the 80s and that Milan side that played in the 90s. Excellent choices. Um, I would like to make a quick point and praise the Excelsior Rotterdam manager Mitchell, Mitchell van der Gaag. I think, um, yes, it was two points dropped for Ajax against Excelsior. It's a great point for Excelsior. Um, I stated in previous pods that I actually think they're going to stay up. They have seven games left where they play um, where they play Ole Den Haag, Nijmegen, Zwolle and also the derby against Sparta. And I think that I think in those games, Excelsior will accrue enough points to stay up. And also for the manager as well, people forget he, uh, Mitchell van der Gaag managed in Portugal for um, for five uh, f- was five seasons with Marit- Maritimo, and he also um, uh, no he played for Maritimo, my mistake, and he um, uh, he also managed him as well as and Belenenses as well. And um, I just think he's underrated. I think uh, I think as um, I think should Excelsior stay up, I think um, I think you'll you'll know the name of Mitchell van der Gaag and um, 
I can see him going places in the future. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think he what he's done with Yodi Dubai, who um, is a sort of a hulking defender from PSV on loan at Efesio, who played so well. Like, although Traore didn't trouble them much, um, he played so well. He got four really important tackles against um, against Ajax, and he, I think, he even did. I think he broke his wrist uh, in the process. Um, and I think Excelsior uh, have a lot of talented players. Uh, they've got Hicham Vig. I was surprised not to see uh, Hasselbank um, starting, but he came on. And uh, I, I, I still have them picked to go down, but uh, the the Ajax um, the performance could give them a lot of confidence going forward. I think it's interesting today as well that Go Ahead Eagles have sacked Hans de Koning um, with seven games to go. And whoever gets that position until the end of the season has got a hell of a job to try and keep them up. And the next two games after the international break, they're away against FC Twente and they're away against Feyenoord. And that's the hardest start any coach could probably hope for that's coming in for a club at the bottom of the table. I haven't heard from this end. There's been no mention of any potential names for um, for the go ahead job. Although I did hear on the radio today, um, uh, Radio Five Three Eight in the Netherlands, that uh, the Robert Molinar, the um, the outgoing manager of FC Volendam, is in the picture to take over from Ron Jans at Bexwaller. So maybe that will be starting a uh, a managerial merry-go-round a little bit early. And I just want to say as well, um, yesterday some quotes were picked up again from Frank Reichert, basically confirming once again that he's he's done with coaching, that's it, he's not returning, which I think is um, a big shame. But it's also interesting that he actually said in the comments that he doesn't actually see himself as a coach. He says he's done it for you know 14 years, but he never actually really sat well with him. I think that's very interesting considering how many people think you know, Ronaldinho came out a couple weeks ago saying that he Frank Riker was the best coach he ever had. Um, you know, and Riker's coming out saying that he didn't think he's a good coach. I think it's just a sad way to end your career the way it did um, with Saudi Arabia, um, considering you know, what he did with Barcelona. I think um, it would be quite good to end on some predictions for the, the Holland-Bulgaria game. I agree. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a very good point. I personally think, um, tune, on, tune on to the Netherlands, I think it'd be quite a comfortable match. And not because the Dutch are particularly good with the manager they have, um, but because Bulgaria won't offer much of a challenge, I don't think. I think they might raise the game a little for the visit of the Dutch, but I don't think it's going to really trouble them that much, I hope. I think I'm very optimistic about the fact that Iron Robin's back. I think him being in the side, him being out of the side, just two totally different teams. And um, with him back, I can see it being more of a comfortable win for for Netherlands. I'm going possibly possibly three now. Um, but I can see the game against Italy possibly being a draw. I'm going for one-one with that one. Uh, I think three-one um, against Bulgaria. Um, I believe Bulgaria would definitely score, and the defending for that goal would be appalling. 
Um, Italy, I see Italy winning 2-0. Um, and I see them winning 2-0 quite comfortably. Uh, because uh, I think uh, right now they've got the much better um, team, more well-rounded certainly. And um, short of a surprise, yeah, they should win comfortably. Um, I will go for a 2-1 win against uh, Bulgaria. I, I also think that Bulgaria will, will score. And I will go for a 3-1 home defeat in the friendly against Italy. I personally can see um, the Dutch falling down to a 2-1 defeat at home to Italy. I think I can grab a goal. Um, they have plenty of talent to get a goal, but I, I, I can't see them either holding a lead Holding onto a draw. I mean, it's a friendly. Italians want to be desperate for a win, but they certainly have a tactical now to 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 beat the Dutch. Um, because it's quite a uh, still quite a tactically immature Dutch side that I can see getting overrun by the, the uh, Italian talent. To be honest, it really depends on what time uh, team Benfica against Italy. Because think De Vrij. He's got a bit of a knock to the entry and, you know, streaming spell. Doubt and Robin will play. So I think it's going to be, you know, second string. Everyone's tight. Um, but, I mean, that gives a chance to people like Lawrence, who's doing, you know, really well in Turkey at the moment. Or even Bastos, if he doesn't start against Bulgaria, he might start against um, Italy. Same with Memphis. If you know, these players have all got points to prove to blend, you know, you're going to get a perfect opportunity at home against Italy to go and show what you're, show what you're made of. I think it'll be important for the for the crowd as well and for the home supporters that the national team put in a good performance at home. I think that's um, I think people going to the game on Tuesday. Yes, they would love the Netherlands to win against a very strong European side, but I think for the majority of them going there, they want to see a, a good home performance because that has been uh, quite some time since that's last uh, taken place. I think it's interesting as well that. Um next home World Cup game is actually in Rotterdam. They're actually went out the Cape and you know, maybe you know, the KMVB have noticed that the atmosphere at Amsterdam Arena right now is mm. you know, not the greatest and that's why they're thinking of you know, the Cape and you know, the Phillips Stadion as well could be an odd choice for the future. When they played uh, Belarus in the Cape where Prom has got that brace and uh, Jensen got a good goal the atmosphere was incredible and I think um, um, the sort of size of the pitch uh, sort of se seemed to help them uh, sort of contain play, sort of move the ball more directly and, and things like that. Uh, so I think it, it will be clever to play a lot of the home games going forward again at the Kype. Um. Just to elaborate, just to elaborate on that, as far as I'm aware, the choice of the Amsterdam Arena was purely for commercial reasons, as the years have as the years have gone by, and I think they're reverting back to the old tactic they used to use in qualifying matches, where they would rotate between the Galp, Amsterdam Arena, and Philips Stadium, and from PSV. I think they're reverting to the tactic of of. Um, of uh, rotating between those three stadiums, whereas in previous and recent years it's been due 
to commercial reasons for sponsors, for example, and to have the most amount of uh, people in attendance that the Amsterdam Arena has been deliberately chosen. Thanks again, everyone, for listening this week. We've appreciated you listening to our podcast. Please give us a like on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. Subscribe to us as well, wherever you've been listening. And give us some comments uh, about what you think about the podcast and any questions that you'd have for next week. Thank you very much. Bye.